Sometimes it feels like I'm watching from the outside. Sometimes it feels like I'm breathing. But am I alive? I won't keep searching for answers that aren't here to find. Amen. All I know is I'm not home yet. This is not where I belong. Take this world and give me Jesus. This is not where I belong. Amen. You can clap if you want to. Amen. So when the walls come falling down on me And when I'm lost in the current of the raging sea I have this blessed assurance holding me Here we go! All I know is I'm not home yet This is not where I someday. Let's give him a clap. One ninety two. One ninety two. Soon and very soon we are going to see the king. Soon and very soon Hallelujah, hallelujah. 
No more crying there. We are going to see the King. Yeah, yes. No more crying there. We are going to see the King. He's going to bless you. Amen. No more crying there. We are going to see the King. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We are going to see the King. Good morning, church. If you're blessed to be in the house of the Lord on this beautiful, sunny day, would you say amen? Amen. If you are a first-time worshiper with us, we welcome you to friendship. We invite you to just raise your hands so we could thank God for you being here today. Any first-time worshipers? Amen. We're glad that you're here today. Yes. Any saved and happy Christians, raise your hand. Amen. Amen. If you are a first-time guest or if you've never done so before, look in the pew in front of you and find this visitor information packet. Inside you'll find some relevant information about our church and also a guest information card. We invite you to fill that out, drop it in our offering plate, which will be around in a few moments. And you never know, we might send you a Starbucks gift card in the mail. It's like before that, you know, they weren't worried about it. Then they heard Starbucks, they got it out. So uh, that's all right. I have many exciting things to announce today to the church. Uh, the first is there are nine babies in the nursery. Amen. Can we hear an amen? We've already turned down, uh, torn down one wall for our Sunday school ministry, and it will probably be the uh, nursery ministry next being expanded. Uh, so we thank God, and we're glad nine babies are here today because next Sunday, March 3rd, we're going to do something very special. We're going to have a baby dedication service. So if you have a child that's never been uh, uh, dedicated and prayed over as a, a church body, we invite you as a parent to come along with your child. And uh, I, I think if everyone shows up here, we'll have between 10 and 12 babies to pray over next Sunday and celebrate. So we invite you to invite your family Bring your cameras, uh, uh, take pictures of your babies uh, during that, that special event. That will occur at the beginning of service next Sunday. So dress them up in that nice outfit that you've been uh, uh, saving, and we'll have a good time. How many of you ordered a book for the first book club in January? I know there was about 20 people total. We have our book for March. It's called The Treasure Principle. And they are only $5 a copy. You can see our office administrator, Ms. Scarlett, and get a copy in an office after church for just $5. We invite any of the church members to read along with us. It's very short and very readable, and it's going to go directly with what we're uh, preaching about in March. So please pick up a copy today. Next Sunday also for baby dedication, our children's choir will be performing Bring Your Child Tonight. Uh, for practice at 6 o'clock p.m. Next Sunday, we have something very special beginning, which is our special needs ministry for Sunday school and also during worship. We have a group of dedicated volunteers who will be leading that special needs class. We already have uh, at least three individuals of our church 
who would fit into that uh, uh, ministry there. And if you know of someone in the community, a parent or a child, that has someone that could be ministered to, a student with special needs, please contact us about information, and they're launching that next Sunday. Uh, if you haven't heard, at the end of next month, we are officially launching two worship services, an 8.30 a.m. early service, Sunday school will be in the middle at 9.45, and then a 10.45 second service. Because of in increasing traffic, you'll have some people leaving Sunday school as you have some people arriving for worship. We're going to make a dedicated entrance and exit off of the, the uh, church grounds here. The dedicated entrance will come off Alliance here to my right. If you've never used that entrance, if you've always used Roberta Road, we're going to put a big blue sign that says Friendship Entrance off of Alliance. And then at Roberta, we're going to have a big blue sign that says Friendship Exit. So we ask you to use that dedicated entrance and exit so we have one-way traffic coming through the property there. Um, if you'll notice in your announcements, in your bulletin, some very colorful things going on. I'm pleased to announce that on March 17th and three Sundays, the worship ministry team from Liberty University will be playing and leading worship for us that morning. This is probably one of the most talented worship teams in the nation, and our church is privileged to host them March 17th. They'll be leading worship, which will be the last Sunday before we launch our two services. Uh, the women's ministry is starting a Beth Moore Bible study on Tuesdays. We have an Easter egg hunt coming up March 23rd. Let me make a special note about the men's work day next Saturday. March 2nd, we're going to be beautifying the church grounds with a men's workday project. We're going to feed you breakfast at 8 a.m. so you have no excuse. Come here at 8. We'll work together at 9. Bring shovels, rakes, wheelbarrows, hedge trimmers, chainsaws, and etc. Anything that will be used for trimming of the bushes, trees, and also spreading mulch. So bring wheelbarrows, shovels, rakes, things of that nature. Next Saturday, we'll see you at 8 o'clock. This Wednesday night for dinner, we'll have pizza and salad. I think that's all I'm going to talk about. Then I'm going to have to like rest for 30 minutes before I preach. You have a special insert this Sunday that's uh, giving you information about the Counseling Center at Concord. This is a ministry that is part of the Cabarrus Baptist Association, which provides free counseling for church members in the Cabarrus area. Maybe you have utilized the services at the Counseling Center, or maybe you know someone that could benefit from it. They are hosting a special one-day offering among all the churches in the Baptist Association today. And basically, we're just inviting each member to give $1 one time. We're going to put that in the black pot today. The black pot is going to go for the Cabarrus Counseling Center. After I'm done praying, you'll see the children come up first to the black pot and $1 per person will go to the Cabarrus Counseling Center. We invite you to do that after our time of prayer as we get ready for our offering. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, what a blessed day it is to see so many faces in your house to worship you. And for that, we give you glory. We give you glory for brothers and sisters in Christ that share a fellowship of salvation that has occurred through the atoning blood of Jesus Christ. God, I thank you for friendship, which is on a spiritual nature, 
that the Holy Spirit joins us as we worship together. It testifies about your son, Jesus Christ. And in this place this morning, God, you are lifted up. We know when that happens, you will draw all men to yourself. So many announcements, Father, that need to be presented before you, asking that your uh, uh, sovereign hand of direction would be upon these things, upon our special needs ministry, upon, upon our nursery workers and parents of children who will be here next week upon the new uh, services being launched and the Sunday school classes which are growing. Lord God, all these things are just a testimony of your goodness and faithfulness, and we ask your hand upon that. Lord God, as we take the offering right now, we ask that you would bless the gift and the giver to be multiplied for the building of your kingdom. May it be done for your glory, and we ask this in the name of Jesus Christ. All God's people said, Amen. Amen.
know that he's a great, great God, don't we? Amen. You know, when you come in here, it's the friendliest church you're going to find in the world. I can tell you that right now. But you know what? God's bigger than this church, isn't he? So whatever struggle you've come in that front door with, whatever dark thing you've got on your shoulders, just shake it off and just say, you know what? I'm here right now. God's got this. Amen? We can be blessed. So blessed be the name, 206, 206. Please turn to those in your hymnal, please. Oh, for a thousand tongues to sing. Turn to the person, meet someone you don't know, and say, you are blessed. Amen? Please greet each other.
Hey, good morning, children. Uh, have you ever had to go to someone's house? Maybe they played with a toy that you really didn't like. But they were very excited about it, and you played with it anyway. Anybody ever done that? What have you, what have you had to play with? Uh, maybe a certain video game you didn't like, or maybe you like baseball, but your friend liked football. And so you went over there in order to be a nice friend. You played with them in whatever they wanted to do. Well, I want to give you an example this morning of what happens when we're nice to people and we do things in order to cultivate a friendship with them. And I'm going to need a volunteer. Bella, I want you to be a volunteer for me. All right, will you come here? Set your purse down, hon. I'm, se- I'm selecting Bella because she's lightweight. Bella is going to represent our friends who don't go to church, okay? Now I need a Jesus figure. Brother Robert, you look like a good Jesus figure today. Will you come? Brother Robert's going to represent Jesus on this side. Now the thing is, people that don't go to church are over here, and Robert represents Jesus over here, and we want to get him to church. So I need two other, uh, uh, maybe young men. Hey, let me get you, sir. Can I get you, sir? You got some muscles. I need you. All right, would y'all join me? Guy in the Mountain Dew shirt, I'm going to have you stand right back here for me. And you, you right here, Mountain Dew, right back here. What's your name, sir? Caleb, Caleb sounds better than Mountain Dew. Nice to have you. <laughs> and here's what you're going to do. You're going to hold Bella's hands. And this is the image. Hold her hand this way. Bella, hold this hand right here. Okay, right here. You hold this hand. All right. When we're friends with people, what happens is we make a bridge to Jesus. All right, Bella, you got to walk. You got to walk. Got to walk to Jesus. Walk to Robert. Take a step. You got to step on Daddy. No. Go ahead, Bella. You're fine. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Bell, you did a great job. Thank you, sweetheart. Now, you'll never forget Bella walking on the preacher, will you? Here's what happens when we try to become like the people we're trying to reach even if we don't like the things they do. When we build friendships with people that aren't like us, we build a bridge to Jesus. And the Apostle Paul says in 1 Corinthians, he says, I've become all things to all people so that I, by all means, might save some. So what he means is, when I'm around someone that's not like me, I try to be like them so that we can relate together. So the next time you're at a friend's house or a neighbor's house and they want to play football but you like baseball, just remember, the more you have a friendship with them, the more it builds a relationship. And when it comes time to invite them to church or vacation Bible school, you've built that bridge to take them to Jesus. Let's pray. God, I thank you for these young people to date. I thank you for their parents that have brought them here. And I thank you for the friendships that they have even at such a young age. That God, you will cultivate that are seeds that will result in people coming to Christ, people coming to church. May you bless each one of them in children's church this morning as they worship 
We give you glory for them. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. You guys will go to Children's Church this morning with Mr. Adam, Miss Emily. Have a blessed time. How you guys doing? Thank you for that segue, by the way, to my song. <laughs> Just when you think hope is lost and giving up is all you got, and blue turns black. Confidence scrapped There seems no turning back From here Sometimes there isn't an obvious explanation But the holiest hearts can feel the strongest palpitations That's when love can build a bridge of light That's what turns the wrongs all when you can't give up the fight That's when love turns nighttime into day That's when loneliness goes away That's why you gotta be strong tonight Cause only love can build us a bridge light When you feed a made of stone stars instead of the dark you'll find your heart shines like the sun <clears throat> let's not let our anger get us lost the need to be right comes with way too high a cost that's when love can build a bridge of light Turns the wrongs all right. That's when you can't give up the fight. 
And all God's people said, Amen. I knew Jennifer had performed that song before. Uh, and my message today, which is the fourth in our series of February about relationships, is entitled, Building a Bridge to Christ. And I know that song says, Building a Bridge of Light. But uh, Jesus says, I am the light. And He illuminates all things. And through what we do as Christians, we point to Him. And our, our job is not to point people to ourself, not to point people to our church, but to point to Him. Before I forget and before we leave here, I needed to announce a special business meeting next Sunday. And we're voting on the position of youth pastor. We've uh, met with the deacons and with the personnel committee. Uh, everyone will pre be presented with a job description of the expectations of a youth pastor. And uh, our nominee, our candidate for that, is Mr. Robert Mayfield, who's been leading our youth ministry. Before I ever came on staff here, the finance committee and deacons had the wisdom to know that if you don't reach young people, the church will die out. And we want to uh, just know that the work he's already doing, he will continue to do even more for the building of God's kingdom. So be here next Sunday as we'll vote on Brother Robert as youth pastor. Today I want you to turn in your Bibles as we talk about building a bridge to Christ to Mark chapter 2. And this morning I did not provide an outline in your bulletins. Sometimes it... it Gives me a little break when I'm not specifically uh, uh, bound to a certain outline. I have a little more freedom and a little more unction. So this morning I'm just ready to get under the spout where the glory comes out. And let this spirit flow. We're in Mark chapter 2. Starting in verse 1. Let's look at what the scripture says. It says, again he entered Capernaum after some days. And it was heard that he was in the house. Immediately many, get, many gathered together so that there was no longer room to receive them, not even near the door. And he preached the word to them. Then they came to him finding and bringing a paralytic who was carried by four men. And when they could not come near him because of the crowd, they uncovered the roof where he was so that when they had broken through, they let down the bed on which the paralytic was lying. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven you. And some of the scribes were sitting there and reasoning in their hearts, Why does this man speak blasphemies like this? Who can forgive sins but God alone? But immediately, when Jesus perceived in his spirit that they reasoned thus within themselves, he said to them, Why do you reason about these things in your hearts? Is it easier to say, Your sins are forgiven, or to say, Arise, take up your bed, and walk? But that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins, he said to the paralytic, uh, I say to you, arise, take up your bed, and go to your house. Immediately he arose, took up the bed, and went out in the presence of them all, so that all were amazed and glorified God, saying, We never saw anything like this. Some of y'all might see the preacher laying down across chairs and somebody walking on him and say, We never saw anything like this. But what happens is when Jesus comes to church, you'll see a lot of things that you never saw. 
And what these men did in this story, these men who brought their friends to the feet of Jesus and they dug a hole in the roof, what these men did was they built a bridge to Christ. They went and found somebody who needed Jesus and they took them to Jesus. Here's a recap of February. We began by looking at relationships that glorify God. Then we looked at how to have a relationship with ourselves, and that's by denying ourselves. The third week we looked at uh, uh, we can use brokenness from past relationships for God's glory. And finally we're looking at building a bridge through relationships which will bring people to Jesus. That's where we're at today. I want to observe three characteristics of what these men do in the gospel story. The first is this. They were willing to do what they had never done so that Jesus could reach someone that he had never reached. I want to let that sink in for a minute. Let me mention to you what these men did. They were willing to do something they had never done in order to reach someone who had not yet been reached. You see, here's what it's about being a a Christian and being a friend and even being the epitome of friendship is that we go out of our way so that people will know Christ. I don't know about you, but I do not look forward to standing before Christ at the point where my life is presented to Him as a worship offering and my whole life is in review. And I do not look forward to getting to say, well, Jesus, in all these years, we never changed a thing. No one will be proud to say that, will they? But when we do stand before Christ, if we did say, I did anything for the sake of the gospel so that people will be saved and that you, Jesus, will be glorified. You see, it's going to take unconventional methods to reach unconventional people. If the church can agree on the why, then it will not matter the how. Let me spend some time speaking about why we do what we do as a church. The reason we do what we do is to reach people with the gospel of Jesus Christ who have never been reached. We exist as God's outreach arm, His arm of evangelism to reach people with the gospel. Even our purpose statement as a church sums up what Jesus said are the two greatest commandments, the two greatest points of the law. The purpose statement for friendship is this. Enjoy friendship with God. Seek friendship with people. Love God, love people. That's our purpose as a church. Most people have the first part down. Oh, we love the Lord. We come and we worship Him. But the second part is share that with everyone you can. John Wesley had a great quote. He says, do all the good you can with all the time you can and all the places you can to all the people you can for the glory of God. I want you to do something this morning as a bit of an illustration. I want everyone just to reach out their right arm. Come on, this is fun. I want you to bend at the elbow, take a hold of your shirt, and say this, I have been reached. You've been reached with the gospel if you're in the house of God this morning, and you've been transformed by the power of the God. You've been reached. Praise God. But we no longer exist for ourselves. We no longer exist for the person who has already been reached. We now exist for the people who have yet to be reached. The people who are right now in these neighborhoods right beside our church without a place to worship because they don't understand the power of God in their life. The church is the only organization in the world 
that exists for people not in it. Think about that. The church is the only organization that exists for people who are not yet in it. We exist for lost people. We exist for the purpose of getting people in the door. We exist for the purpose of taking the gospel to people. We exist for the purpose. If there's someone in the world that has not yet heard the gospel and been transformed by it, our job is not done, whether it be in Concord, Charlotte, Mount Pleasant, or Haiti, it's our job to take the gospel. There are two options for most churches today. Option number one is to be a parking lot. Parking lots are good. Cars come together. And parking lots are good if you don't want to go anywhere. Most churches are parking lots. The other option is to be a bridge. The purpose of a bridge is to provide a means of transportation so that someone can get somewhere that would not be possible without the bridge. You see, if we're a bridge, it's to take a lost person and connect them to Christ through whatever we do. In 2009, my family and I flew to Las Vegas with my mother in celebration of her birthday, in which I will not disclose her age. Is she here? Oh, good. I can talk about her. I will not disclose her age that we celebrated, but they, we were celebrating five decades. <clears throat> On that trip, we visited the Hoover Dam. And the Hoover Dam is a massive structure which not only provides a dam for Lake Mead, but on top of that is a roadway connecting Nevada and Arizona. If you know my history of jumbling words together, be very worried right now. Before the Hoover Dam, that passage was impossible. At that point on Lake Mead, you cannot go from Nevada to Arizona. The dam was built over a period of five years, and 114 men died during the process of building that passageway. But now it stands there today as a testimony of their hard work, of the ingenuity, and of the dedication to creating a passageway for people. When we become a bridge to Christ, we realize that our purpose is to bring people to Jesus, not to bring people to us. Our ultimate job is not to get them in church. Our ultimate job is to get them in heaven. That's why, listen, I tell people all the time, if you don't like our church, I'll do the best of my ability to find you a Bible preaching church where you can be discipled. It's not about friendship. It's about the church of God. It's about His church. A bridge must also carry the weight of those traveling on it. Just like those men who were who lowered their friend through the roof in the scripture. A bridge only has one concern, and that is to bear the burdens of others so that the others can get where they need to go. By being a bridge church, the great thing is you will have to build parking lots. Isn't that a good problem to have? When you are a bridge church, People will become connected. You'll have to tear down walls. You'll have to pave new pavement. You'll have to build new buildings. Because the more you transport people to Christ, God continues to bring growth. If there's a church that's not having to do anything, it's because there's a parking lot church and not a bridge church. They were willing to do what they had never been done. Secondly, about these men in the scripture, they were selfless. They were more concerned about their friend than they were about their comfort. Uh-oh. I would love to hear that committee of four men that met outside the house where Jesus was teaching. And I would love to hear the committee meeting that was going on that day. 
Here you had four good, respectable committee members discussing evangelism, how to get their friend to Jesus. And as they stood there at the packed house, I wonder if the committee meeting went something like this. Someone said, well, first I make a motion that we get this man on the roof. Well, do we need to vote on that? Secondly, how much is it going to cost? Who's going to pay for it? Thirdly, I'm not sure people there were like that. And fourthly, the best phrase in church meetings, we've never done it that way before. Can you imagine that committee meeting? Let me ask you this question. I don't believe they answered or asked a single one of those questions. I just believe they were willing to do what needed to be done to get someone to Jesus. They were more concerned about the needs of their friend than they were about their own comfort. When we are concerned about others, then what we like doesn't matter anymore. What makes us comfortable or uncomfortable doesn't matter anymore. We become focused, even fixated, on our life being about introducing other people to Jesus. I think the greatest example of this is the life of the Apostle Paul. When he wrote the letter to the 1 Corinthians. Would you turn there? 1 Corinthians chapter 9. The reason I have you turn to other scriptures is so I can drink water. When I preach I'm like a camel. I don't know where it goes, but it keeps on coming in. All right, we're going to look at 1 Corinthians 9, starting in verse 19. It says this. This is Apostle Paul talking to the Corinthians. He says, even though I am a free, even though I am free from all men, I have made myself a servant to all, that I might win the more. To the Jews I became as a Jew, that I might win Jews. To those under the law I became as one under the law, that I might win those under the law. To those without law as without law. Not being without law toward God, but being under law towards Christ. That I might win those who are without law. Two are, the weak I became as weak, that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all men, that I might by all means save some. Now I do this for the gospel's sake, that I might be partaker of it with you. Let me read verse 22 again. He says, the latter part, I have become all things to all men that I might by all means save some. You know, I don't beat around the bush in here. I just call it like it is. I hear a lot of people saying, you know what, I don't like the songs that Pastor Jesse and Pastor Dave does. And that's fine. I'm not asking anybody to like them. No one asked me when I got married to like the decision my wife made. They just asked me to be happy about it, smile, say, honey, I love you. My wife wants blue curtains, but I think we need brown curtains. A smart man's going to have blue curtains. You see, whenever you became a Christian, you made the choice to die to your own wants. You made the choice to die to your own, own desires. You made the choice to die to your own needs. And as Apostle Paul said, he says, I became a servant to all so that I might save some. But here's the great part. I mentioned uh, that we're launching two worship services. I think Pastor Dave does an incredible job of giving us a blend. We start out with contemporary. We sing traditional. We do both. If you don't like the contemporary, come to the 8.30 service. It'll be a traditional blend. If you don't like the traditional, come to the second service. It'll be contemporary. 
And that way, I won't have to hear no complaining anymore. That's how it works. Amen. What Paul is saying is that he's willing to change everything about himself so that he could be a part of winning people to Christ. I've always heard the joke that if a Jew came by, Paul would hold his ham sandwich behind his back. He became like those he wanted to reach in order to win some. If y'all ever talk about starting a Jewish ministry, I'm going to have a tough time giving up our barbecues. But see, when we understand the why of everything, then the how makes sense. For example, why are we wanting to put up worship screens in the sanctuary? I know some people get tired of crooked neck looking all the way over there. Why are we wanting to put up worship screens? I'm going to tell you why. It's because these young generation of college students, high school students, young married, they're called the M generation, which generation media. They are communicated visually through technology, through imagery. Those are the things that reach them. When you grew up in the 50s and 60s, you grew up with an auditory type of listening. But if you go to any college today, you walk in and the teacher's teaching with PowerPoint and with something visual. It grabs their attention and it communicates to them. And our goal is to do whatever possible so we might save some. If it would save somebody, I'd put on Peter Pan tights and play the flute during service. I'm glad it won't because I ain't going to do it. And then the second question, why are we launching two worship services? The first reason is because we don't have room for people. The second reason is because that becoming all things to all people, we might by all means save some. That's the reason. And I'll give you a heads up. In nine months after that second service fills up, we'll launch a third service on Saturday nights. We'll keep going with the gospel. We'll keep building bridges to people. Bridges to Christ. Also, these men, they were more concerned about the opinion of Jesus than the opinion of the religious crowd. You know what? The reality is we can't please God and man. Pastor Dave loves quoting Galatians 1.10. I think it's perfect here today. He says in the scripture, Am I now trying to win the approval of men or of God? Am I trying to please men? If I were still trying to please men, I would not be servant of Christ. You see... Realization I have to make as a pastor because I'm a people person. I love people. I love the heart of people. But I have to realize I'm not here to please people. I'm here to please God. I served on staff at a church one time. I was the youth pastor there. And here was the conversation that happened in the deacons meeting. In the deacons meeting they said, we've got some teenage boys that are skateboarding on the church steps. Another one said, yeah, they're messing up, they're messing up the rails, the paint on the rails. Another one said, well, we need to put up a sign that says no skateboarding on church property. Can I tell you something? That's the worst example of church leadership I've ever seen. Here's what that meeting told me. They were more concerned about the paint on the rail than about reaching a teenage boy with Jesus. So what happened is, after that meeting, I made the commitment... I was going to do whatever necessary if it was to reach a boy with a skateboard, if it was a boy wearing skinny jeans, or a boy that had tattoos on his face. I was going to try to reach him with the gospel. So the next church I went and pastored at, instead of telling them they couldn't skate on the rails, you know what I did? I bought skateboard ramps and set them out in the parking lot every Wednesday before youth group. I invited the skaters. You see the different mentality? One said, we don't want you here. The other says, we will do what it takes 
to get you here. That's building a bridge to Christ. And the funny thing about the story we read in the gospel in Mark is that they actually had to damage property to get somebody to Jesus. That's the whole point of the story. Church property was damaged in getting him there. But these friends were willing to become a bridge to Christ in order to save some. The last characteristic of this story is that these men were faithful. And by that I believe that they had faith in Christ, not in their own ability. You see, if our faith is built around the idea that people will be healed when introduced to Christ, people will be transformed when introduced to Christ, sins will be forgiven when someone is introduced to Christ, then guess what? Our church structure and systems will be about bringing people to Christ. And if you don't believe those things about Jesus, your systems won't be about taking people to Christ. It'll be a parking lot mentality. You see... Most churches are indeed afraid of growth. Most churches are afraid that a bunch of new members will come in and things will start to change. Let me give everybody some good news. You don't need to be worried one bit about what change will happen when people come to church. You need to worry about what change will happen when God comes to church. Because when God comes to church, the religious structure and systems that we were comfortable and complacent with fall away. In 10 years, I have the privilege of being a youth minister. And let me tell you something. I've seen revival, and it's not pretty. Revival is not cute. It's not happy. But it is all about God. I think, in essence, what revival is, is it's when God takes back control. Revival will tear a hole in man-made religious structures, and God will establish himself in such a way that you can't contain it, and you can't control it. Revival, when it happens, will get out of hand. And that's the best thing that can happen for the gospel, is for it to get out of the hands of man and back into the hands of God where it belongs. Some have asked me, preacher, are we going to have revival services? And I said, yes, sir, every Sunday. See, you can't plan a revival. You can't schedule a speaker to come in for four days and say we're going to have a revival. You can plan a meeting. You say we're going to have a good old-fashioned meeting. But don't call it revival because don't call what you're planning something that only God can do. I love having meetings. I love having guest speakers come in. I love worshiping four nights a week, five nights a week. But let's call revival revival. If you think that doing something for one week is going to initiate God's sovereign moving hand, we're clearly not being communicated with what He intends for our church. You see, if what you are doing weekly is not intending to bring about revival, it will never be brought about by doing something one week. These men here in the gospel today, these men had faith. That Jesus was worth the fight to get their friends there. Yes, they may have lost some friends by tearing a hole in someone else's roof. They may have ticked a bunch of people off by climbing up and interrupting the whole religious meeting that was going on. Can you imagine the order of service that day? It's like Psalm 23. Announcements. Psalm 45. Jesus preaching. Hole in roof! That's how the order of their worship.
But the hole in the roof was what brought about somebody to Jesus. These men had the faith that their actions would be honored by God. I've seen this church step out of the box. Last year they stepped out of the box and prepared for an Easter egg hunt. We prepared for 50 kids to show up. 99 showed up and 100 other parents. We was running to the store and getting hot dogs and, and buns and everything. Didn't know what we were doing, but guess what? Our actions were honored by God. This church has stepped out in faith. Matter of fact, this church is here today because a group of 33 people stepped out on faith and did something and God has honored it. We have faith that whatever we do for the sake of the gospel, God will honor that. But see, maybe, maybe there is someone here today that because your friend invited you to come, maybe your friend has been acting really funny lately and since they found Jesus, they won't quit bothering you about church and so you finally came. But the thing is, you're here. Can I tell you something today? Just like that man laying on a mat, Jesus is not intimidated by any problem in your life. Jesus is not intimidated by your past. Jesus is not intimidated about where you come from. He's concerned about where you're going. And today, Jesus' message to you is, take up your bed. Take up all those failures. Put it behind you and walk forward. The gospel is that through Jesus Christ, he became all things to all men so that by all means God would save some. Jesus himself set aside his will, his righteous crown, and 33 years of being in the flesh so that we could have salvation. You know what that tells me? Nothing that I give up for God will be enough. It's all for his glory. Can I have every head bowed, every eye closed today? I want to ask you. Maybe you stuck out your hand and you grabbed your shirt, but you realize that you've not been reached by the gospel. You, your life has not been transformed. Your heart, is, your heart has not been transformed by the Holy Spirit. And you can say, Pastor, today, I know I need Jesus right now. I know I need healing in my life, just like that man who got up and walked. I know I need my sins to be forgiven so that I could go to heaven. And I'm desiring today to live a life that honors Christ. I want you to do something. I'm not going to ask you to take up your mat and walk. But when we sing, I'm going to ask you to stand up and walk down this aisle and say, Pastor, I'm ready to become a Christian. Because I doubt that if we can walk down an aisle, we'll ever walk in front of lost people declaring that Jesus Christ is our Lord and Savior. So I want you to do something. You're ready for Christ to be your Lord and Savior today. When we stand, after we pray, I want you to grab the hand of a friend or family member and come down this aisle and say, Pastor, I'm ready to give my life to Christ. Secondly, on this beautiful spring day, if you're looking for a church that's willing to be a bridge to Jesus, to connect lost people, will you come to join today? And if there's any person... You followed Christ, and you're ready to be baptized. Will you come say, Pastor, I want to come and announce to the church I'm ready to follow him in public baptism. Whatever it is, God, I pray that in the hearts of every person here, you would have your will and your way today in this place. We ask in Jesus' name, amen. Will you stand today? Take up thy cross and follow me. 
continues to work I'm looking for some prayer warriors today that would come say I'm willing to be a bridge our theme verse for our church is John 15 13 which says greater love has no man than this than he lay down his life for his friend will you come and by beginning to lay down in life in prayer for the lost people in our community as we continue to sing you do a